This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Yeah, it's called conversations with Jeff, not screaming matches. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism, but look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. When you should be out there winning people for Jesus, right? Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though. And so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, guys. Uh, sorry for the delay, but for those of you guys that are that are here watching, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. Uh, really excited for tonight's show because this is actually our very for our very first uh, episode of streaming live um, for all of you that are members of Plugged In. Um, so thanks for being here. For those of you guys that are watching the recording later on YouTube or listening on SoundCloud or anything like that, uh, make sure you guys sign up for Plugged In. It's only 10 bucks a month, and you get access to all of our live streams. So you get access to Conversations with Jeff. You'll get access to the Jeff Dornick Podcast, Fight Night. Um, and then also we're going to be doing a roundtable podcast every month called Connected. So all of those you'll be able to stream live. And then you'll also get access to shows like uh, The Schumann Show, Battlefront, Southgate, uh, Wit Podcast, Shining Light Podcast. You get all of those, access to those a day early. Um, I believe we're going to be starting to do that next week. Um, so make sure you guys sign up for that. Um, and then, um, yeah. So, but yeah, thanks for all of you guys that are watching live. Uh, really glad you guys are here. I'm really excited about today, tonight's guest. Uh, we're bringing back Ian Giotti, who we've had, who we had on in the very early stages of conversations with Jeff. So it's fun to have you back. Welcome back, Ian. Glad to be back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of of course, and you know, and I, you know, the 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 fun part I think about having you on last time was really talking about, uh, you know, the the media and the propaganda and all that kind of stuff. Like that, that was one of the things that really struck home with a lot of people because they're they're looking at a lot of that kind of stuff, and you you always hear people talking and that sort of thing. But I think for a lot of people. On both sides of the aisle, I think I think it, I think it can be a wake up call to understand that you know we need to be discerning when we're looking at what we're seeing in the media and the news and even within Christianity. We get we really have to be comparing everything with Scripture. Absolutely, I think 
I think that we live in a time, and this isn't specific to any industry or any trade whatsoever. We live in a time of great deception and not just the, um, the amount of deception that can be propagated, but uh, how quickly it can be propagated and, and on the scale that can be propagated um, is unlike anything we've known before as like a, as a, as a race, it's, it's a human race. We don't, we never had what we have now at our fingertips. And now, you know, people can talk to presidents directly and, and they can interact with them and they can, you know, we can hear from lawmakers directly and we can see, we can see behind the curtain just a little bit more than we used to, not completely, but um, so now it's in a way we have access to so much more information. And at the same time, we're, that's being used against us. I, I think we're, we're, we're getting, um, we're getting told what we want to hear rather than maybe what actually the, the facts are or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think, I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, again, the, the name of the game in all reality comes down to clicks because that, because it comes down to money. And so I, th- I think to a certain degree, I think, I think what ends up happening is like you're saying, like people, people are being fed what they want to hear because that's the kind of stuff they're going to click on or they're going to watch on TV or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, it's really interesting even looking at things that are happening within, you know, Christianity. And we're seeing a lot of this like push on social justice. We're, we're seeing even like Christianity moving pretty far left, at least in the mainstream and that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting that I think, I think a lot of that is there, it's strategic because they're trying to give people what they think that they want because that brings in dollars, whether it's through clicks or hits to the website or people showing up to your church or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, I think what, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that ministries now are learning that there, um, there's revenue to be generated. <laughs> I hate using all those words together in one sentence, but that there's revenue to be generated with, you know, through digital and, and they're now they're extending their platforms to, to, you know, the digital landscape and, and, you know, for, for those, those, you know, ministries that are just straightforward and just, you know, branching out and putting their, putting their, their sermons or what have you online. Great. No problem. But there's, I think in the outreach, there's a lot of these, you know, these people that you've never heard of otherwise. Now they get huge followings on whether it's Facebook or whatever, and then they become this thing and they may not even represent like, you know, um, uh, orthodox, fundamental biblical Christianity. And yet they can be immediately held up because of their following or their visibility as like, oh, hey, look at what these guys are saying over there. And it becomes, you know, a lightning rod for all sorts of, of controversy, which is which is terrible for the gospel. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it is like a two edged sword, you know. I think more people now than ever before have, have heard the gospel, which is, I believe, part of God's plan. But with that comes the, the you know, the, the the deception alongside of it, trying to steer people away from the actual message, away from the person of Jesus and towards other things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I totally agree. And I, and I, and which I think kind of leads us a little bit into, you know, like the book that we've got coming out. Uh, you, you know, you, you're writing a chapter, which we're, re- we're really excited, uh, for your chapter being in there as well. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the things that I also wanted to remind me, remind people before we hop into, uh, the book is just as you guys are watching, make sure that if you guys have any questions or anything like that, post it in the comments on the video. And at the end, maybe we'll ask some of these questions. So it'll be fun. Um, 
But so in your um, in your chapter for the book Social Injustice, you take on the non-controversial issue of the patriarchy, um, which is something that for the longest time we were seeing this attack on that in mainstream, uh, you know, like secular society. But now we're really seeing an attack on that happening within the church and within Christianity. So I think it was it was really good that we had you writing that. Um, if you can kind of explain for people that maybe they fully don't understand the issue at hand, what's the main issue when it comes to the attack on the patriarchy and as believers, like, why is that a problem? Right. Well, you know, people get really uncomfortable about that word in general. I mean, I think whether it's used in an aggressive manner or whether it's used in a biblical context, people are now uncomfortable with something that is, um, First of all, it, it's a it, it's it's fundamental to biblical doctrine. Um, the Bible starts out with the great patriarchs, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is where um, God's story begins, basically. Um, the, you know, so uh, the patriarchy isn't something that is is supposed to be bad or or or, or even maybe even uh, have a, a you know a moral value assigned to it whatsoever, other than the idea that it was put there in the beginning, it was has been in place for as long as our civilization has been around in some way, shape, or form. And now we have to have conversations on, on video about defending uh, such an idea. You know, um, I think that's, it's wild, but it also speaks volumes to, you know, what Paul warned about coming in the last days about all sorts of crazy attacks on things that we once took for granted to be true. Um, such as a father and a mother as, as you know, fundamental uh, family units. That, that's no longer a, a given anymore in our culture. And um, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. So, so like, so like when, when we're seeing this shift into like, like you were saying, like we're not even seeing like the, the traditional like family units anymore. Like, you know, wh whether we're talking about dealing with, you know, like same sex, you know, marriage and parenting and that sort of thing, or even just like single parents, like the divorce rates are insane right now. And there's so many children that are being raised by like single parents in general. Um, how, how does that impact, you know, like even, even Christians when we're looking at the world and how, and how all of a sudden now this, what used to be this nuclear family, you know, core that everybody relied on all of a sudden now it's like, that's, almost non-essential in our society nowadays, at least from public perception. Right. I think that it gives us a great opportunity because, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a child of divorce. My parents divorced when I was much older, probably, you know, my late teens, early, early twenties. But um, I grew up in a household that, you know, that frankly was always kind of on the horizon. I, I think, we can speak openly about these things and, and the challenges of marriage and the challenges of any raising a family anywhere in any culture. And we can use that as an opportunity to say, hey, look, this is what the Bible says about family. And there's all sorts of stuff. The, the great thing about the word of God is that it's not at all um, unclear about uh, what God thinks about the family unit and how he structured it and 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 its purpose in society and what it what it's whole what it, what it really is to do which is ultimately it's to point us to the fact that wow you know I, 
I'm really hard to live with or my wife's really hard to live with and and my children, wow, why are they such evil creatures sometimes? And it all points us back to the, the reality of sin and the reality of, of a fallen world. You know, that's, that's you know, I think a lot of times people who hear about, um, hear about you know, uh, cultural Christian ministries talking about the family unit, they get defensive. Well, I come from X background or Y background where this was that this was like that or that was like this. And that's not all really the point. The details, the specifics aren't really the point. The point is this thing has been broken and it's so evident in the way, you know, I mean, we've seen it so much more in the last decade than we probably or last couple decades than we have ever before in, in American culture. But it's not an opportunity to, to celebrate. They see you should be doing things like this because it's it's um, easy or, 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 you know, somehow you, you, with a snap of your fingers, it'll fix all your family's problems. The point is, this is broken. Our families are broken because we are broken. And when we when we approach it that way, you know, people use the word compassion. Sometimes I'm afraid of that word because that word implies um, a softening or watering down of the truth. And I don't ever want to be complicit in that. But there is compassion in acknowledging, especially, you know, someone like me where my parents did divorce and I've seen the fallout from that. And I understand that. And and yet nothing is beyond God's um, healing reach. I mean, that we need to be more, I think, articulate about that and, and to talk about sin in its full force, not as this act over here or that thing that you touch or drink, but that it pervades everything in our life. And that's what makes the gospel so immediate and so necessary for humanity. It's not at all of making it roses and rainbows and, and hoping every family can, you know, live together in peace and happiness. That it would be true, that'd be great. But but no, I live in reality and I live in a world where I, I want to be able to say, hey, I, I understand the broken family. And now more than ever, I understand, you know, why dads are important why a mom is important and how that works together, not separately. Um, so it goes back to sin. You know, that's really what it goes back to. I talk to my kids all the time about this and they're young children, but the conversations we have about these issues always go back to sin. We can't paper over that because then we might as well throw the conversation away. We are living in a fallen world and and God has a plan for this fallen world. And, and and that's just an opportunity for the gospel, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think in general right now, the, the other issue is that we are – we're living in a very anti-God society, right? And and I think that, you know, from a biblical perspective and looking at like the, more like the theology of all of this, I think – all of this is supposed to be representative of our relationship with God, right? So the relationship between the husband and wife and the relationship between parents and children, it's supposed to be reflecting of our relationship with God or like the church's relationship with, with Christ. And I think that when you start to break down these like family roles and you start taking away who the person who's, who's in the family supposed to be representing God and reflecting God in the relationship, all of a sudden now you, you eliminate that. It's like a direct reflection of, look, we've got no God in society. We're taking away the the reminder and the visual example of God in the family. It's like you, at a certain point, you're kind of wondering, okay, is this an intentional thing just to eliminate God 
altogether. Well, it's, it is. It's an attempt to destabilize the model that was set so very clearly. I mean, there's no debate about this. You know, uh, you, you can get into hermeneutics and, and the Hebrew and all these things. I mean, they were in the beginning, he made them male and female, and he put them together with a purpose, not to, um, not to assert one over the other, not for one to serve the other or other to serve the other, but to serve each other. And in doing so, the first couple in human history served humanity by bearing children, creating that fam- that first family that led to all of us being here in the first place. So I, I think that there's so there is there's harmony and peace when you understand that that's kind of how it was set up and that we have gone astray from that. All of us, every single one of us, whether you're a a Christian, whether you're an atheist, um, whoever you are, we have fallen short of, of that model that God set for us. And look, let's be clear, even the first family fell short, very much so. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're all here in the situation we are. And we just have to kind of, you know, we have to kind of grapple with that. And and and, and I think that we lose sight of that. We get caught up in defending excuse me, we get caught up in defending subjective experience. We get caught up in saying, well, you're talking now about my mom and my dad, and that's personal. I'm not going to let you trample on my reputation. Or I don't, I think we need to really just kind of swallow our pride and say, that's not really what we're talking about. You know, I, 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 my parents have flaws. Like I have flaws. I'm a flawed dad. Um, My wife and I are a flawed, you know, mother and father to our children, but, but at the end of the day, because I know what the Bible says, I can say, well, I can sit here all day and blame X, Y, or Z and say, this is your fault or their fault. But this is in me. This problem is in me. And it's something that um, we need to look beyond just just the, the idea of, of, of debate or pointing fingers at to, to, to really get a handle on. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's even it's interesting thinking through all this kind of stuff because, again, things are just kind of like, randomly popping in my head but but like i'm even thinking like right now we're dealing with a lot of you know issues after this whole like i don't know if you saw but like this whole john MacArthur thing and him telling beth moore to go home and and the ruckus that that's caused and i feel like it's it's an interesting dynamic comparing what we're seeing with like um comparing what we're seeing with like women wanting to be pastors or take on that leadership role or go beyond um, like what scripture lays out for like gender roles and, and, and that also applies to men too, because men aren't assuming their, their responsibilities as well. But, you know, comparing that with looking at, look at what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Like we're, we're dealing with the same fight. We're dealing with, with the same issues in the sense of Adam didn't step up. He did not fulfill his role as the patriarchal lead of the family and Eve ended up overstepping her role in the, in that nuclear family and that sort of thing. you know it, I feel like we're we're dealing with the same fight over and over and over again you know and now however, however many thousands of years later we're still dealing with that. It's a great point, and it's and and I think people if they think it through <clears throat> and they put aside their own implicit bias <clears throat> and say you know what that that story it accurately reflects the culture today and, and what's going on you know. The man drops his drops the ball and 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 com, he's asked to 
be the, the head and fails that. The woman is asked to, uh, you know, to kind of compliment the man as the man compliments the woman and to serve one another. And yet the woman says, no, 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 I want to, I want to, I want to rule over. I want to be the head. So it's, it's this whole thing that this power dynamic where really both of them fail because they're not submitting to the one who put it all in place. There was disobedience in the beginning. That's what happened is, is it was, it was disobedience on both their parts. And, you know, I think it's funny when in chapter Genesis chapter three, God goes down the list. He starts with Adam and he ends, then he goes to Eve and then he goes to the serpent because that's how he holds responsibility. He doesn't sit there and start with the, the serpent and say, Hey, how could you do that? That's what he does, right? He goes to Adam first says, look, look th- this is what's going to happen. This is the curse upon all men, not work, but sweat of your brow is going to be a hard life because of this, of this thing that you've done. And then, you, you know, he goes to the woman about the idea, which we see carried out all the time throughout human history about um, the, the, the pain and of, and of delivery of childbirth and, and how that's a physical, um, you know, physical burden that, that, that um, women bear. There, there's these, all these real manifestations that we see every day in our life in, in 2019. And people don't, I don't know if they don't want to make the connection, but that's one of the things that originally drove me to scripture is I was looking for a, a, a universal context for all this. Like, why why are women this way? Why are men that way? Why is this going on? And no other authoritative source besides the Bible gives us an answer that I can look at and say, that is happening right now. And it comports perfectly with what I know to be true in the contemporary world, regardless of whether you can't get past the, you know, the the, the scripture, you can't get past the snake, you can't get past the, the garden, you can't get past whatever it is. It, it obviously the dynamic fits perfectly with what we can see happening in front of us every day. Yeah. Now, 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 what, what's what's your take on a lot of these issues that we're seeing? Because I feel like we're we're having a lot of debate happening. We're seeing this happening, like in the Southern Baptist Convention, and um, different different issues within like the church of dealing with. Okay, what uh, what is the uh, biblical role for women in the church? What's the, what's you know, is is there a separation between, uh, I don't want to say separation between powers, but separation between responsibilities? Um, like, because what's weird is I feel like we keep every so many years we're having the same debate happening over and over and over again. Um, but I feel like somebody needs to bring some clarity to this. I think that's never going to happen. And what I mean by that is I think that's precisely why you got such things as denominationalism in the first place, I think. Churches have been arguing about this stuff from the very beginning, and I'm sure there were all you know sorts of women teachers who felt that it was appropriate for them to teach in the very beginning. Probably, I'm guessing, probably even in the first century. You know, I mean, I think this has always been an issue, and I think that it's it's been carried out through these two millennia now, where you know you've had these denominations split. But the idea that look, we have some. We have some churches that say, I'm going to use scripture as the ultimate template for everything we do here in these walls or as a ministry. And then you have other ministries who say, well, we can compromise on, on this or that. And 
And there really is, you know, look, we don't have a, you know, in uh, biblical Christianity, we don't have a pope. We don't have someone issuing edicts about how churches will be run. And that's that's the way that he set it up. I think that God had a purpose in that. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not presuming to know all of the, that purpose, but part of that is the you know the ironing sharp iron sharpening iron and and sanctification process and and really you know ultimately I think that separating the the the, the wheat from the tares I think and I'm not presume again don't misconstrue what I'm saying um, people can have disagreements about all sorts of things and um, and I'm not saying those people are not true Christians but what I am saying is that what you do notice is that some who veer off the path, they end up going all the way. They end up going to a total rejection of anything that is fundamentally fundamentally Christian, which obviously means that they are not of him. You know, it's just, it's so obvious to me. Um, so I think this is, weirdly enough, I think this is part of the plan. I really do. And as someone who didn't grow up in, 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 in the church or any kind of real religious setting whatsoever, as I came in late. <laughs> um, part of the reason that I, 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 I know God put me at the church where I'm at is that it's very, listen, the Bible is held up as a sole authority and everything, I don't want to say everything's loosely done because everything's, we have overseers, we have all those people in place, but there's no rigid structural system that, that I, you never get the sense that we're, bound by anything other than what the word of God says. And, and I think that's, you know, God's plan for the church. And then some churches will go another route and they'll go this route and, and they'll reveal themselves to who they are in relationship to Christ. I think that's ultimately the plan, how they carry out his service and, 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 um, you know, his great commission is how they end up revealing themselves. I think ultimately. Yeah. That's, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and that makes sense. And I think, and I think something that I think that we can consider when we're looking at, um, you know, different churches, and and you know, you'll have different people that have different like theological perspectives, different view on women as pastors, different view on, you know, whether the church should be led by plurality of elders or like a CEO pastor or like all these different things, right? I mean, clearly God intended for there to be one answer to a, to a lot of these issues. But at the same time, I think that because there's so many different ideas and so many different interpretations of scripture, I think, I, I, honestly, I feel like one of the best things we can do is actually just like discuss and debate it. Because again, all that's going to do is it's going to push us back to, back to scripture as opposed to just trying to have like one big denominational head try to enforce it on everybody else. That's not, I feel like that's when you start getting all these splits and all these fighting and whatever it is, as opposed to let's, like you're saying, iron sharpen iron. Let's, let's duke it out. Let's yeah. debate it. <laughs> what you're talking about, Jeff, is a theological free market, you know, and, and that's really what it is. Let the best ideas compete in accordance to reveal truth. Now that's the thing. The presupposition has to be there. So if my presupposition is that the Bible is the absolute authority, it's God's word, inerrant, infallible, right? That's my presupposition going in. If you don't have that presupposition, I have the right to say, hey, why why should I accept your claim that you're a Christian? What exactly is it that you're believing to say, oh, I'm a Christian? You know, 
they were first the ones who first believed in uh, Antioch were called Christians. They believed the gospel. They they believed something very specific, very narrow and exclusive in its claims. So you can't just parade around and throw a cross up and say Jesus's name and then go completely antithetical to everything the Bible says and still say, but wait, I'm a Christian too. That's just not how it is. And no one would allow that in any kind of uh, any kind of system, whether it's a religious system, a corporate system, um, you know, even in branding. I can't. I don't go into a McDonald's and see a bunch of people wearing Burger King visors and 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 shirts, right? Because then, it, wait a minute. I thought this was a McDonald's. Why are you wearing Burger King uniforms? You cannot masquerade as one thing and then call yourself to be another. And ultimately, I think it goes back to what we're talking about. It's all meant to shake itself out in the end. And I really do believe that's happening right now. Um, and that's why for me, it's like, I just try to, to drill in my kid's head. Look, you don't belong to anyone other than Jesus. You don't belong to our pastors. You don't belong. You don't even belong to me. You belong to the God who made you. And apart from that, anyone who tries to lay a system on you, around your neck, a yoke, as Jesus called it, immediately be skeptical, especially when it doesn't uh, align with Scripture. Because he told us himself about that. He warned that religious leaders would come and try, and Paul did. We were warned they would come and try and bring us back into bondage. The whole point of uh, of the gospel is, is, um, is, is freedom. <laughs> You're set free. You're set free from sin, the penalty of sin, um, ultimately, um, from the presence of sin in the future. And to think that bringing bondage on people in any other ways is somehow in service to Christ is, it's just wrong. It's unbiblical. Yeah. Which, which I think, which I think is kind of like an, an interesting tie in because we've got, you know, looking at, you know, the Christian world, we were, ha- we're having a kind of a big debate within like theologically about this issue of Kanye West becoming a Christian. Yeah. And, and how that plays out and, and how, and how we as Christians can, can view, let's say like a celebrity of his status. Do we, do we affirm his salvation? Do we not affirm? Do we, like, do we put conditions on it? Like, like how, how do we as believers deal with this kind of a thing? I answer two ways. Yeah. First of all, if I was to watch myself from day to day, I would start to, ask, are you sure you're a Christian? Because let's be honest, we know if we're being honest and truthful, we know how dark our hearts can be. We know the things we do from minute to minute are not always, maybe not even often in alignment with God's will for our life. That's just what we live with. As Christians, we live with our sinful nature weighing us down. And so, um, you know, to the idea that um, watching Kanye's every move and is this or that uh, good or bad, I'm not going to do that. I am, and I listen. We're to judge uh, righteous judgment. We're to judge according to Scripture and not what I think of a person or if he's being mean that day or whatever it may be. It's it's um, it's according to God's word and everything I've heard from Kanye since. All of this started has aligned with what scripture says about who Jesus is, about repentance, about sin. I've heard all the things that I needed to check off the boxes to say, okay, what he's saying is true. Um, but that leads me to my second point, which which is, you know what? It's not so much about 
Kanye, but it's the Kanye platform. And I believe God is able to use any platform, regardless of the man or woman, regardless of how fallen they may be, regardless of how um, messed up they may be in their walk and imperfect. He's able to use anybody for the furtherance of his kingdom. And I think he's doing that through this Kanye thing. Do I think that Kanye is actually saved? My answer is it doesn't matter because God is doing something. How can look? I don't know. You know, I, I, I think we talked. I don't know if you're a hip hop fan or not. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a big one. And, and I grew up listening to Kanye back when he made Jesus Walks. And, and I don't know if he was a believer then. He obviously had Christian teaching or not or in his home. But, um, but when I listen to the songs, man, I, I think I, I tweeted about this earlier this week. It's worship. I, I hear worship because there's, there's a passion there for who Christ is. And it's coming out through the filter of Kanye West, an imperfect human being who nonetheless God has chosen to use his platform to speak to the world. And he's doing that. And so I don't, I guess the short answer is I don't care whether it's authentic. Um, to, because because God is glorified through it, nothing else matters to me. That's yeah. that's my point. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that, that that's a good point to make because I feel like, cause I feel like there's, there's – there's this theological debate that's going on among like like certain people, and it, and it ends up being this you know we're gonna we're gonna try to judge the fruit of so and so who claims to be a Christian and try to decide if he's truly saved or not. But but I but I think that something that I think we need to remember is that we as believers need to separate out whether we believe somebody's saved with whether what they're doing is always right or wrong. So like we can always we can always confront when Kanye's doing something wrong. But we also have to remember he's a he if he's if he's truly saved he's a baby Christian I mean ac- according to him he's saved what six months ago like Apparently, yeah yeah I mean that's a baby Christian and so now all of a sudden we're going to criticize him for uh, apparently possibly accepting an invitation by Joel Olstein to go to his church Kanye is brand new to this thing and we're going to, and we're going to demand that he has like discernment to know which guys are good pastors and not good pastors. Like that's my thing is like, I don't want to be so like not harsh on him, but at the same time, we can't be so critical of the, of the guys every single move and act like he spent 30 years. Like, like some of these guys have done studying all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that happened is when I first got saved, I was like, man, I can't listen to rap anymore. <laughs> what am I going to do? So I started, I found, you know, I found some really talented uh, Christian rappers like Lecrae, Andy Minio, all these guys. Wait, wait, wait. You're not giving a shout out to KJ5 too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But the funny thing is that, and, and look, I mean no disrespect. And again, I'm not judging salvation or anything to that effect. But what I've seen from Kanye in terms of his boldness in the last whatever few weeks or months it's been, compared to what I've seen from Christian rappers who were given a platform, even Grammy award-winning rappers given a platform to further the gospel, and I compare what Kanye says and does, it makes me look at these Christian Christian rappers who don't even want to be called that, mind you. Whereas Kanye goes on the Jimmy Kimmel show and says, you know, are you a Christian? What do you say, a Christian rapper? And he's like, I'm a Christian everything. You couldn't, you had to pull teeth from some Christian rappers to ever say that. My question is why? 
What? Why? And, and then if you go on the platforms of some of these guys, you'll read a bio. There's not one mention of Jesus or the gospel or anything that would indicate, oh, hey, this guy's a believer. Why? So that's I get angry when I hear the conversation. I'm, I'm supposed to be like, oh, these guys say they're Christian, and then they pop up from time to time with a Christian opinion, and we all go, yay, and, and we read it in the Christian post or whatever, and then they go back to pretending on their platforms that they're not Christian. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? And you have a guy who's clearly as sinful as you and I, who's all of a sudden on fire for Jesus and talking about it on the huge platform he has, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to cast a side eye at that? That makes no sense to me. I call on the people who identify themselves as believers to start looking at their own platforms and to see if they've been fully truthful and as bold as God has called them to be given. Let's look at ourselves first. That's that's kind of my thing. Let's figure out, am I doing the most with what God would have me do with what he's given me? And don't worry about Kanye. God will deal with Kanye. Yeah. And he'll use him for however, and when he's done with him, he'll be done with him. And that's just how it goes. I mean, it's just, it, it makes me, it, it, it makes me upset um, because we're, we're better than that. We're, as, as a human race, we're, we're better than that. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what's interesting to me in all of this too is I feel like Christians in general, rightly so, are quite critical of Hollywood, right? So it's all, so I feel like when it comes to Hollywood and when it comes to San Francisco, those are like the two cities where Christians are always like, that's just a bunch of sinners. It's like we we write them off. There's no good that can come out of those two places. And then I think what ends up happening is I think that we can become so critical of those yeah. locations and those and the people that are there that it's like they can do no right. So then when right. some so then when somebody comes along like a Kanye or anybody else who could be in that world becomes a Christian, you know, that sort of thing. We got to remember what if Kanye is saved, we got to remember what he's being saved out of. I mean, we we've all, we've all seen the craziness that surrounds Kanye West. I mean, you know, storming stages, saying like the most insane things, like on TV. Like he's a controversial guy, right? So then, what do you expect from a baby Christian who's coming out of that, and then now is is trying to figure out? Okay, now what do I do? Like I I want to be on fire for God. And I'm just right. I'm just going to talk. Of course, he's going to be imperfect. And so that's where it's like, for me, it's like, why aren't we coming alongside him, supporting the good things that he's doing, correcting the bad things that he's doing? And but but it's just it's it's almost like we either it's either 100 percent support him or 100 percent against him instead of just being like, let's call good, good and bad, bad. It's it seems simple to me. Um, but, you know, people are people are jacked up. <laughs> we're jacked up. I mean, we just, we just are. And, and, and I really think there's a lot of, I don't know a good word for it. And people might get upset, but uh, re religiosity, I guess is the only word that comes to mind. I think it's might be a real word. It may not, but it, it conveys what I'm trying to get at, which is like this appearance of being spiritual or being religious is, is this thing over here. And anything that deviates from that is is not that, and that's that's wrong for all sorts of reasons. And and not only is it wrong, but it doesn't doesn't do the gospel any good. It doesn't 
it doesn't um, further what our purpose here is, you know, at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a flashback as we're talking about this to the parable that Jesus told about the about the Pharisee and the was it the tax collector in the in the temple and and there two yep. di- and there are two different prayers and it's in yep. the Pharisee saying I'm so I'm so thankful that I'm not like that guy. I feel like exactly. this is like real life parable happening before our eyes. Yeah, Kanye is beating his chest. Yeah, and 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 you have to understand. This is, again, I don't want to make this about Kanye. This is about anyone, but it's because his platform is so huge. Well, it's because, and and he's got an, and he's like a visual example for all of us is why I think we're all talking about it too. Yeah. No, no, but no, no, but of course, but sticking on him, it's, it's this idea that, um, it's this idea that, you know, repentance is key. Repentance is the way that you enter into a relationship with God. And this is him repenting openly. You know, you see it manifesting in weird ways and conversations are coming up because, you know, he asks his wife to wear different clothing or whatever the case may be. And you're starting to see that conviction in his life carried out. And that's him beating his chest, you know, like, look, I see what, God says about me is true. That's really what repentance is. Changing your mind from what I think to be true and right to saying, oh, no, it's actually what God says to be true and right. And that's what you're seeing played out. But the problem is you're seeing it played out through all sorts of media and all sorts of characters involved who may not really want to hear what Kanye says. You know, I don't I don't know the couple. I don't know them personally. I'm assuming that as supportive as I've seen Kim Kardashian be of her husband, I'm, I'm sure she's not at all hundred percent thrilled that this is happening for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but then again, that's what happens when God saves people, right? The minute I got saved, I, I thought of Jesus, you know, he's going to, he came to set a, a, a mother against her, son, her daughter and a father against his, her, his son, and the mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And that's what happened in my life. I saw it instantly. And, you know, people who don't know scripture will say, well, wow, that seems harsh, but that's what truth does. Truth divides. Truth doesn't unify. It divides because it has to separate itself from from the false and from the untrue. And so that's what we see going on. And it's weird that it's a weird person to be happening through in this time we're living in. But, hey, I'm not in control. I don't I don't choose who. Who God uses, He does. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, which, which again, you know, is is just fascinating how all of this is kind of played out in in that, you know, again, again, prefacing it with, if this is all legit and and Kanye is truly saved, that again, God and His you know sovereignty and he, and even just like His ability to save any of us chose mm-hmm. to save this guy that the world and everybody in general views as extremely imperfect you know what i mean like i mean like like even just even just talking about like you know everything surrounding him and you know dealing with donald trump dealing dealing with you know a lot of his his very in the public eye conversations and discussions and you know controversial statements i mean nobody from what i understand looks at Kanye and is like, okay, that, that's, that's somebody who could easily be a Christian. He just needs to take that little step. Like we're talking about somebody who's so like far beyond, like 
you know, thinking pride, arrogance, rich, like all, all the bad check marks. And all of a sudden God saves that guy. It's pretty crazy. I, I, it's crazy. I think that's the point. Yeah. I think that that's because here's the thing in my life. I have met a bunch of Kanye West that aren't, that don't have his visibility. People who you're like, you really? And God used that, you know, to, I would remember that later on. Well, there were people who, cause I had in my mind, what the idea of what a Christian is. And God had these people that he put before me. I'm like, Oh wow. Someone like that. And so it changes your whole, because you're indoctrinated with an idea of what that looks like. And, and, and it's so far from the truth, you know? Um, so I, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's crazy. He specifically chose this example to be like a stumbling block to those who, who have their own preconceived notions of what um, someone who knows God looks like. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, again, it's, it's just one of those things that I just feel like this thing has been really interesting to see play out both in the secular world and in the Christian world, just because, Again, the response has just been has just been nuts. Um, but but kind of kind of talking about like like Christianity in the public eye as well. I think I think I think one of one of the other things that I think we you know are, are trying to figure out moving forward as Christians and then dealing with politics and even like the presidential elections and all that kind of stuff is like I feel like we're seeing Christianity kind of go more progressive and more and be yeah. and be more willing to embrace the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs and the Pete Buttigieg and, and that whole crowd. But, right. but then we see guys like, like Pete, Mayor Pete, who is claiming to be a Christian using scripture in order to justify all their progressive leftist ideas. And, and then we sit back here as like conservatives and Christians. We're like, no, that's just crazy. You know, he's just twisting scripture. But then we're seeing like actual pastors parroting yeah. a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, like when we're looking at like a lot of these like visual leaders and guys like mayor Pete that are you again, twisting scripture clearly to justify yeah. their sin. Like yeah. how, how are we supposed to deal with that? Especially as we're seeing that coming to the church too. Well, Paul talked about a great falling away and I think it, he was referring to a time that was pretty long, but also specific meaning there was a gradual buildup and then, the dam broke. And I think we're on the other side of the dam breaking. We're now, we're literally being overwhelmed daily, uh, deluged with, you know, all sorts of progressive ideas that are being marketed by Christians as biblical principles, things that we know that don't comport with teaching of scripture. And so we have to be aware that first of all, Paul said that was going to happen know the time that we're living in because he said it was going to happen. And that for me is a siren call to be like, Hey, we need to go now. We need to go back to the, the, the standard, which is God's word and people that's boring to people. You know, it's boring for people to hear about the Bible because the Bible for most people now is antiquated, outdated, irrelevant, bigoted, sexist, racist, homophobic, I, I could go on with all the with all the buzzwords of today's culture. But the thing is that truth never changes. Truth is always, if it's the truth, it never changes. And so we, you and me have a unique time, and I think we, uh, a calling, I think we've talked about this before, a calling to be in this time. And 
And I just want to be faithful in what God's given me. Um, I, and, and sometimes there's great risk involved. You know, there's, there are a lot of people who hate, who hate the Bible, who hate the God of the Bible, who hate um, people who believe the Bible. They're everywhere around us. Um, they may not even be aware that they, that they hate us or hate God. Um, but we just need to stand on the truth and, and let the chips fall where they may. That's all I want to do. I just want to, I just want to be a good steward of what God's given me in the time I'm here. Yeah. That's all I can do. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting too, looking at, uh, at a lot of the talking points that we've been seeing, like just in the public discussion in general and where there's so little that's actually rooted in truth. So much of it is based off of like feeling and so much of it is based off of just all these like different, uh, you know, different things, you know, like, People will people will support something simply for the fact that it is anti God or it's anti biblical or you know or anything along those lines. So you know then it becomes so then we come in as Christians and we're like, well, here is the truth. Here's scripture. Here's you know here's here's the support for it, and it's like it doesn't matter if it's true or not because. It's scriptural, and thus we're going to reject it. So we're just going to go the completely other way, which I think, again, goes back into the world is so anti-God and is so anti-biblical that they're willing to even sacrifice truth in order to oppose God. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. It is. Yeah, and um, it's it's not easy. You know, I think what's it? Exciting for me is the idea of living out my convictions. And here's what I mean by that. Most believers in America haven't had to do that in order to successfully walk with the Lord. They could just kind of do it, go about their business. People would leave them alone. You and I are not, as far as I can tell, and definitely my children are not going to have that luxury. Um, that's something now where we see it even now where we are going to have to stand up for what we believe to be true. And um, it helps me personally in my walk because it focuses me on the things that are important um, versus things that are not so important. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to sound excited or, or, or blase about it. Other than it is, it is, it's scary in one way. And in another way, it's like, yeah, this is, this is like my purpose. This is our purpose to be here now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, and I was kind of telling you before we came on air as well, is that uh, a couple weeks ago I spoke at a conference, the Stand Against Marxism conference. And what, one, one of the things that I was talking about in my talk was how I think we're at, I think we're getting to that point to where we're going to need an, another reformation, even just within the church, right? We're going to, we're, because of, of where all of this is going, a lot of what we're seeing in the church is go, so anti-biblical, anti-God. And you're like, this is only supposed to be happening in the secular world, not be happening in the church. Um, but, you know, we saw, in, in my opinion, we saw the first reformation was actually Christ's ministry on earth. Because basically it was the one true religion. Christ comes in. He gives them three years to try to repent. None of them do. They, they reject him. So he rejects them and starts the new church. They splinter off and they do their own thing, right? They start the Christian church. And then we've got the Reformation, right? Same kind of thing happened. You know, the guys, they tried to reform the Catholic church, 
Martin Luther, John Calvin, like all these guys, they tried to reform from within. They couldn't, so then they splintered off and did their own thing. And what's what's interesting yeah. to me is in both of those instances, I feel like we see God using specific people that em- that embrace their role in order to confront the leadership that is in error. And I think that I think that at a certain point right now we're starting to see some people kind of embrace that role in the sense of being willing to go out and not be ashamed of proclaiming the truth. Obviously, we want all these people to repent. Obviously, we want to see Christian leaders repent from, you know, embracing a lot of this, you know, social justice and cultural Marxism and anti-biblical, you know, progressivism, essentially. But as we're going, I'm seeing less and less of a chance of them repenting. And so I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing this reflection of what we've seen in the past with Christ's ministry, with the Pharisees, and then the Reformation dealing with the Catholic Church. I'm like, are we at that point again? I don't know. It's I don't know. It's it's just kind of like leading me down that route, that road, you know. Yeah, I I have a, diff, a different take on it in that you know I I I see there's been no time like this in the history of the world for a lot of different reasons, but specifically in our country. And once things go one way in the U.S., once churches tend to, once that critical mass is reached, apart from an absolutely supernatural thing occurring, I see the, the, the church decreasing greatly. The, the, and what I mean by the church is there'll be a visible church There'll be steeples and all those buildings and stuff, but the actual born again body of believers, the body of Christ, I see that decreasing and I, I see it already accelerating towards that end. And yes, there, God is able to revive. God is able to do something different, but I have a, I, I just, my conviction is we're getting to, a point now where once the American church goes that direction, the entire world will fall. The, the, the you know, the global church falls. You're going to have the pockets all, of course, always, but I, I'm far more pessimistic in the near term. Um, because I also believe that there's still a whole bunch of stuff that uh, prophetically that has to happen now. And I'm seeing all that take the preparations for that take place. Um, so that's my conviction. You know, that that's part of actually, you know, why I started to even read the Bible is because I wanted to know what was going on. Like, why is the world changing so fast and what's happening? And I think we're seeing that final, um, you know, kind of formation take place. Um, we're not like exactly right there, but. I, I see the, the 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 groundwork being laid for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I think I think we we again looking even looking at history, like we've seen. What's interesting is that in your like you were saying before, things are different now. But like when we yeah. look when we look at history, I feel like you can see 
Satan trying to establish his one world government and, you know, establish the end times throughout history, right? Whether it's Nazi Germany, whether it's the Babylonian Empire, whether it's the, you know, the Roman Empire, whatever it is. It was always like, let's try to conquer the world, right? But it was always through like one nation. But then yeah. this is different because it's it's almost like they're doing it from the inside. You know what I mean? And so that's where I feel like it feels like it's it's – it's a total different strategy. It's a total different game. And we're, we're kind of going into this no man's land of we don't have necessarily a, an example to follow historically because this is some, this is like a, a new strategy. I mean, it's, to a certain degree, some of it's like the same kind of tactics, but it's still mm. like a new strategy of we haven't seen this much change happening inside all of these countries all at once. It, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating that we're in that time right now. Sure. No, I, I, um, I see that too. And, and, you know, I, I personally sometimes get fearful, um, because I don't, I, I've seen a level of hatred towards people of faith, specifically the Christian faith that I have, I didn't see even five to six years ago. Um, and you know, what comes after that is my question <laughs> when that, that doesn't just go away. So what's the next thing? It's, um, you know, I, I don't know from the Bible, the Bible that I read says that some very bad things happen. You know, God doesn't need the church. Um, he's chosen to implement it for a set period of time. And then, and then he's going to have some angels flying around preaching the gospel. And he's going to have, you know, some people think, Moses and Elijah, whomever it may be, the the two witnesses. He's gonna he has a whole bunch of things to come after that. So, I, like I said, I'm I'm just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and trying to live out what I believe is God's will in my life and and love people and, and point them to Jesus and then and just pray, man, because <laughs> it's dark out there for yeah. sure. No, no, it, it really is, and I think, and I think that you know, p- part of the fight and part of part of why I think that a lot of what we're dealing right now is so important as believers is because what we're seeing is we're seeing the gospel being compromised, even if it's subtly, but it's still being yeah. compromised, which I think could have an impact on kind of what you're talking about in the sense of the the church and the visible church kind of like essentially falling away, is because if this gospel holds on that's basically not dealing with repentance not not dealing with the exclusivity of christ not even like like all these different kinds of things if you compromise on those things it's no longer the gospel so then you start getting into so if it's not the gospel what is it that people are actually believing if they're not believing the gospel they're not saved but so like potentially we could be going down this route of Millions of people believing in this false gospel that's being, you know, compromised and being promoted right now. And all of a sudden now you're just going to have an entire church of people that are not even, not even saved. And I think we're even seeing that today. So I think that that's the danger even, even moving forward. I think. I think also that's, that's kind of the plan. I think the plan is to look like, the Christian church without actually being the church. And um, that's as kind of wicked a plan as you can think of, you know? Um, but but that's, I think that's where we are. I really do. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm pro- I could be very well be wrong, but 
that's where for me, I'm focusing on the, the micro, meaning I'm leading my family. I'm teaching them um, the fundamentals of the faith. I'm teaching them what it means to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus um, uh, and, and what that looks like and how that the ups and downs of that and everything else is, well, I, mean, I guess we'll, we'll figure it out sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, well, so what I want to do is we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up, I think, right now, um, really quick. And so this is going to be the end for the, for the recorded version that's going to go out on YouTube and SoundCloud. So, but, so for everybody who's watching the recorded version, um, make sure you guys sign up for Plugged In because what we're going to do is we're going to ask Ian a couple of questions that came in during the podcast right now, but you're not going to be able to watch because you're not a member of Plugged In. So you're going to have to sign up join and then you and then you could actually see this you know short q a session right now and uh and yeah so if you go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in uh you can sign up join and then every time we have this uh the show with conversations with jeff we'll ask a few questions that come in from you guys the, the people that are watching the live stream and we'll have, we'll have a little bit a little bit of fun at the end so um so yeah make sure you guys do that and then we'll we'll go on to this Q&A session right now. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new spirit park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.